High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. How many of you love Jesus today? Does anybody love the Lord today? I'm not sure I'm at the right place. Is there anybody that really loves the Lord today? Praise God. Is there anybody that's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. I love it whenever we can gather together. You know, the psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's wonderful whenever we can begin to come together and begin to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And as you know, even this morning, such a powerful anointing. How do you know that God will always respond? Whenever you, whenever you begin to offer up praise, heaven always responds. There is rain that begins to be poured out upon us, spiritual rain that is released whenever we begin to worship and praise the Lord. It's so important that we come together. Now, some of you may be visiting and you may be asking, do y'all always act this way? And my answer to that is absolutely as often as possible. Praise God. How many of you know if we worship the Lord, we ought to worship God the Bible way? We ought to work to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We have to worship according to what has been prescribed in the Word of God. And how many of the Bible says that we are to lift up holy hands? Everybody just lift your hands there for just a moment. It says to lift up your hands in the sanctuary. That means whenever you come together, whenever we gather together in the house of the Lord, we are actually commanded, we're instructed, exhorted to actually lift our hands. And it also says without wrath or doubting, which means this, you need to be full of faith. And if you got any kind of offense, you need to get over it real quick. Amen. You shouldn't be angry about anything. You shouldn't be upset about anything. We're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. So we lift up holy hands. Amen. The Bible says, clap your hands. Everybody just give the Lord a clap. All right. That's a patty cake, folks. I just want you to know that's not really clapping your hands. That's patty cake, okay? So we're gonna, if we're going to clap our hands, we're going to do it with all our might. We're going to worship the way that David worshiped. The Bible says that David danced before the Lord with all his might. Amen? He didn't do it with some of his might. He did it with all his might. So clap your hands, all you people. Amen. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Hallelujah. You must understand we're not just going through some type of religious ritual, but we are actually beginning to express praise, adoration, worship into the name of the Lord. I was thinking, anybody watch any football yesterday? I, you know, I thought, it, uh, you know, order has returned to the galaxy because there's college football that is back on now. And, uh, you know, we all go through withdrawals, those of us who like, you know, college football. And, you know, I hadn't been able to see the Knowles, you know, uh, really, the withdrawal is not as bad as what it used to be. But uh, anyway, it was so wonderful to be able to watch some college football yesterday a little bit. As a matter of fact, we were celebrating my mother-in-law's 80th birthday. It was her 80th birthday actually on Friday. <clears throat> we, and so we're celebrating that, and it happened to actually be they decided to schedule it. I had nothing to do with this. But they scheduled the birthday party right in the middle of the Florida State football game. It's, this is like the unpardonable sin. You know what I'm talking about? Opening a, a game. And so I got my phone out, and I was watching it during the... Uh, during the... Uh, and also, one of the things that we found out, just so 
if for any of you, if you've ever had a restaurant and you've got a waiter or waitress that is a fan of a certain team, just tune your phone to that game and you will get great service. I am not kidding. He was there all the time. You need some more tea, sir? <clears throat> anyway, it was all wonderful. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. This isn't just about college football. But you know, yesterday, uh, it, uh, any time that uh, Florida State scored a touchdown, uh, there was some shouting that was going on. There were, did you watch any of the, anybody watch any of the game? Any, or did you watch any game? You know, when the home team scores, and what does everybody do? They do all kinds of things. They do the funky chicken. They do the, the Hulk. They do, I mean, they do everything. They clap. They shout. It gets very loud. How many of you know Jesus did a lot more than carry a bag of wind over a line drawn on a piece of real estate? Jesus, listen, he died for you. He paid the price for you. He suffered for you. And uh, listen, the least that we can do is give him praise and give him honor for what he has done within our lives because I don't know about you, but once I was lost, but now I am found. Once I was sick, but now I am healed. Once I was bound, but now I am delivered. Once Satan had a hold of me, but now he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. We've got a reason to shout. We've got a reason to praise him. You know, and what's very interesting many times, people think because of the religious traditions of men, this is not my message this morning. They think because of the religious traditions of men that they are bound by that to worship and praise in a manner that is loud, that is boisterous, that is expressive, that you are some type of fanatic. And I want everybody to understand, I am not a fanatic, but I am a fan of Jesus, praise God. And listen, whenever you're a fan of Jesus, you're really going to act a little bit different than the religious folks that are in the world today. When you really fall in love with the Lord, there's going to be something different about you. You that are in love with your spouse, how many are you in love with your spouse? How many, how many of you know you act different toward them than whatever? You certainly should act different than everybody else, right? You act different with them than anybody else. I mean, there's something about them that lights your fire. Come on, baby, light my fire. Anybody remember that song? Yeah. Yeah, and she don't have to do very much to light my fire. I know I'm 60, but I ain't dead. <laughs> Is there anybody here 60 or over that can relate to what I'm saying? You know, there she comes just a walking down the street singing, do a dee dee dee. Right? Listen, you ought to be that way about the Lord. I come in the house of the Lord and I begin to sense the presence of God. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. He's coming to the house. The presence of God is here. Jesus is here. He's moving among us. There ought to be something on the inside of you that begins to burn. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We ought to be burning for the presence of the Lord. We ought to be burning for the things of God. We should be burning to be with the Lord. I know you can be with the Lord in your own house, 
But there is something tangible that takes place whenever God's people gather together that you can get in no other way. Because one puts 1,000 to flight, but two puts 10,000 to flight. There is spiritual synergism that begins to multiply itself whenever we begin to gather together and worship the Lord. That's the reason throughout the Bible, we are commanded to gather together. We're commanded to come together. We're commanded to assemble together. You can worship God wherever you're at. You can worship God in the shower. But I, you know, and I do worship God in the shower. I pray in the spirit. My wife can tell you I get in the shower, you know, every morning and I start lathering up my hair and shake out But listen, the experience I get there in the shower is not the same that I have as whenever I gather together with the people of God. Amen. The, the, what I experience at home is something God's ministering to me personally, but I'm telling you, there is something, there is a fire, there is an anointing, there is a power that begins to be released whenever we gather together. Amen? That's the reason we need to have a heart for the house of the Lord. We should love it to be, to, to be able to come together and gather with God's people. Amen? Now, by the way, let me just divert for just a moment. Today is my mother and father's 61st anniversary. Mom and daddy, can you stand up? Can we honor them for 61 years of marriage? Come on. Honor them for 61 years of marriage. Y'all really give it up for my mother because she's put up with it. Anyway, <laughs> you may be seated. I love my mom. I love my daddy. And I thank God. I thank God that they've always been there. They're faithful. And I tell you, there's one of the things that my mom and, did, mom and dad did, and that is they established a pattern for us to follow. They were an example for me and my brother to follow. And listen, parents, you are a, you are, whether you realize it or not, and your kids may not, they may tell you something different, but I'm telling you, you are establishing a pattern, and you are setting an example that your kids will follow. And hear this, if you don't love the house of God, don't expect your kids to love the house. If you don't love the things of God and you're not consumed with the things of God, don't ever expect your kids to be consumed with the things of the Lord. And I appreciate so much that my mom and dad, they were always involved, as long as I can remember. From the time that I was a little boy, they were always in church. They were there Sunday. It was never a question as to where we were going to be. We were not going to be out on the golf course. Well, thank you for that overwhelming response. We were not, we didn't play golf anyway, but nonetheless, but we weren't going to be in the fishing boat. We weren't going to be anywhere but in the house of the Lord because that was established that this is the day that we have set aside. I'm not saying you can't ever miss or don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not condemning anybody, but I'm just saying that that was the pattern that was set for me by my mother and father. As we got older, we, you know, we started going to Wednesday night services. We, I mean, we got really serious and uh, we, we became more than just someone wanting to receive from the Lord, but we actually became more pushers of what God was doing. And from there, then, when they had youth services, we'd show up for youth services. And anything that was going on within the church, they established a pattern and they set an example for me and my brother to follow. You know, it's something that was just ingrained within me growing up. Now, I say that to say this, parents, you got to understand don't expect your children to be something that you're not. 
A lot of times parents are expecting their kids to be on fire for God, but they're not exhibiting it in their own household. They're not exhibiting it on a daily basis. Y'all don't shout me down real good right now. See, they don't exhibit it on Sundays. They don't exhibit it throughout the rest of the week. They prioritize everything else that's going on rather than the Lord, rather than the things of God. Now, again, I'm not here to get on to you this morning. I'm telling you this. If you want your kids to go after God, then you go after it with everything within your heart and don't look back. If you want your children, if you want your family to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, then you start doing it and start exhibiting it and exampling it right in front of them. I had a mother and father that exampled that right in front of me. And by the way, we have done the same with our kids, and all three of them today are in the house of the Lord. All three of them are serving the Lord. All three of them prophesy. They're, all three of them are baptizing the Holy Ghost and speaking other tongues. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? There's something to be said for the example that you set for your kids. So don't ever expect your kids to be something that you yourself are not. And you got to understand, out of everything, I'm, I haven't even started yet. I'm kind of started. A lot of times we're wanting our kids to be something that we're not willing to discipline our own selves to be. We're wanting them to exhibit something that we ourselves are not willing to exhibit. And I will tell you this, if you want your family and if you want your children to serve God, fathers, you be an example to your kids. Mothers, be an example to your kids. You begin to work together Begin to flow together an example what it means to serve the Lord. Hebrews 6, verse 10. I was having lunch this week and with a couple within our church uh, who we love very much, and we're, we're having lunch with them. They called us, and it was very spur of the moment, said, hey, can we take you to lunch? And I said, praise God, hallelujah. Somebody heard from God. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, we said, certainly, you know, we're just about to you know decide where we're, we're thinking about where we're going to go and all of a sudden the phone came so just perfect timing went to lunch and while we're at this meeting <clears throat> uh, i'll just go ahead and tell you who it is so nobody be wondering but it was will and jennifer they asked us uh spur of the moment to go to have lunch with them but there was something that that will said in the middle of the lunch and he can probably he can recall this he said something in the middle of lunch and we were talking about a particular situation and he talked about how that he said i've learned something he said, all you got to do is follow the pattern. All you got to do is just follow the pattern. And whenever he said it, of course, I've said that over and over, but I've never really preached on it. And just something dropped down on my spirit. I got my phone out. I said, yo, hang on just a second. And immediately the Lord gave me a message concerning following the pattern. Because we have to understand that God does not make it difficult for you to succeed. I want to say it again. God doesn't make it difficult. It's not 99 steps to spiritual success. He makes it very simple. Found that everything that God does, He does not complicate things, but we many times complicate. And a lot of times people are trying to figure out, what am I not doing or right? Well, you know, what's not happening? And the reality is they just need to go back and do what they know to do. Because people for you know, so often are looking for the greatest breakthrough and the newest secret that's out there. And if I just get one more revelation, listen, I want to tell you this. If you just get this revelation right here, do what you know to do, do what you know the Bible says to do. And if you'll just begin to do that, my friend, you'll see success. You'll see blessing. You'll see breakthrough. You'll see prosperity that begins to happen within your life. I remember... <clears throat> Many, many years ago, back in 1987, uh, well, it was actually 88 that this happened. 
But in eight, at the end of 1987, I came, went on staff. This is, again, many years ago. It was 35 years ago. Went on staff with uh, Bishop Hammond and Christian International. And as many of you know, they are really the ones that have pioneered in the prophetic, pioneered in activating saints, pioneered in teaching people how to stir up the gifts on the inside of them. Many of the things that we do and we practice here are things that we have derived from teaching and ministry that we receive, uh, specifically from them. And, uh, but one of the things that happened within my life in the early days, I was asked to give a personal testimony, uh, which that's a miracle. You've got to understand, I've been saved my entire life. And the Full Gospel Businessmen's uh, chapter in Panama City Beach, they asked me to come give my personal testimony. You got to understand, I don't have any kind of scars on my arms to show anybody where I've done drugs. I never had a cigarette in my life for my entire life. I didn't ever drink alcohol. My daddy gave me a sip of beer whenever I was four years old, and I was delivered from alcoholism at that moment in time. That's just the truth. Daddy, you remember that? He was, <laughs> by the way, just so y'all know. <laughs> We didn't have any beer in the refrigerator. We were over at some friends. I guess they were friends. I don't know if they were friends or not. Acquaintances, uh, house, and uh, there was, there was uh, I guess they had, all the men had gotten a can of beer. I guess they'd given my dad a can of beer. And uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I saw it up there. I didn't know what it was. It looked like a Pepsi Cola to me. And so I said, Daddy, can I have I want something to drink? My dad gave me a sip of that. That was it. No more, no more desire for alcohol the rest of my life. Praise the Lord. But anyway, so um, I've been saved my whole life. I didn't have any kind of what you would call the testimonies that people like to hear. For anybody that's familiar with the full gospel businessmen, usually you had the guy that had been in jail, he'd been in prison, had been on drugs, had had, you know, uh, a harem of women or, you know, all these other kind of things. And I, you know, I didn't have any of those things. And so they asked me, you know, the guy's been saved your whole life, been in church your whole life, you know, uh, followed after God your whole life, not saying that I didn't ever do anything wrong, never sinned. I'm just saying I didn't have anything, any kind of great testimony of this miraculous deliverance, this road to Damascus experience. I didn't have any of those things. My road to Damascus was actually over on Spring Avenue <laughs> whenever I was four years old and I was in the car and I asked my mama, I said, Mom, Mama, would you, would you pray with me and ask? Because I want to ask the Lord. It was on Spring Avenue. I remember it was on Spring Avenue going around the curve on Spring Avenue between 11th Street and 9th, 10th, 10th it was right uh, a little bit east of 10th Street. How in the world I remember this, I don't know, but I just remember this. I have this knack for directions and streets. But uh, anyway, so we're on, this, on the curve there, and I asked, I said, Mama, can I, will you pray with me that Jesus would come into my heart and that he would forgive me of all my bad sin? You know, it's amazing how much bad sin a four-year-old can have in their life. And so anyway, and so she prayed with me, and I accepted it. That was my road to Damascus experience. See, it didn't even thrill anybody here when I talked about it. And it definitely won't thrill a full gospel businessmen's group of men. You know, they don't care about that. Now, you ain't got nothing on me. I'll tell you my road. But anyway, so I gave my testimony. It wasn't, it wasn't very long. It didn't take me very long to give my glorious testimony. And by the way, just so you know, I believe the greatest testimony. This is the testimony I'm believing for your kids. I'm believing that your kids would never be on drugs. 
I believe that your kids are never, you're never going to have to go get them out of a situation where they passed out from drinking too much alcohol. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm believing that your kids, because the Bible says that whenever we train up our children in the way that they should go, they will not depart from the way of the Lord. Look at somebody say, they will not depart. Come on, tell somebody they will not depart. Boy, if we really grab a hold of that and believe it, I'm telling you, things are changing our lives. And so that's what we spoke and that's what we said over our children. But anyway, so uh, I gave my testimony and then uh, the leader of the Full Gospel Businessmen's chapter had been out at Christian International before and saw how that at the end of the service they would always bring the prophets up there and they would begin to do prophetic call out and just as, as the Lord would lead them, to, the Lord you know, showed them somebody, gave them a word for somebody, they'd call them out and prophesy to them, minister a word of knowledge. You know, just however the Lord led, however the Holy Spirit led. And anyway, he had saw them do that out there. And, I, of course, I had only participated in it in very, very little minute form. But something in his brain, I'd only been on staff there about two months, something in his brain equated. Robert Gay is on staff at Christian International. Therefore, he could do everything that Bishop Hammond can do and Leon Walters can do. By the way, Leon's going to be here in October. And, uh, uh, and, and what all these other people that they saw that were real experienced and had, had learned how to stir up their gifts, and I had never really done this. Now, you've got to understand, just a couple of days before, it was actually a prophetic word that uh, Bishop Hammond actually spoke over my life. He said, you're going to stand and prophesy by the hour. You know, and at that time, I had given a little word here, a little word there, a little word here, a little word there. Well, anyway, at the end of this, me giving this testimony if you want to call it that and uh the president of the chapter said now anybody here closed out the meeting said anybody here that wants to receive a prophetic word if you want a prophetic ministry of any kind come and line up he'll be here on my left and brother robert is going to prophesy to you <clears throat> now understand he didn't ask me about this he didn't get my permission he didn't you know even request it he volunteered me that I was going to prophesy to everybody. And by the way, you got to understand, back in 1988, when that kind of invitation came, nobody left the room. And so all of a sudden, there is a line that stretches to eternity that starts on this left side, goes down. I don't know if anybody remembers the old Holiday Lodge. Anybody remember the Holiday Lodge? This back, nobody remembers the Holiday Lodge right over on the other side of the bridge, you know, condos now. But anyway, that's where it was, and they're in their meeting room, the line stretched all the way down the side and went all the way down the back. And at that moment in time, I'm going to tell you, folks, I was not a great man of faith. What I mean by that is there was an SOS signal that was going up from my heart and my brain to heaven because my brain was going, how in the what? What did he just say? He didn't tell me about this. If he would have asked me, I would have told him no. I haven't done this before. But, you know, now he's done this and volunteered me and volunteered everybody else that I'm going to prophesy to everybody that is here. And so I begin to pray and begin to cry out to God. How many of you know when you're in a tight situation, it's a good thing to cry out to the Lord? And so I began to cry out to the Lord and I said, God, what am I going to do? Lord, I need your wisdom right now. I need some understanding. And immediately, Immediately, I heard the Lord speak this, and he said this. Follow the pattern. Follow what you have seen done before. And I can remember what I did is I began to retrace 
in the two months that I had been there, what does Bishop Hammond do whenever he starts to prophesy to somebody? How does he do it? And I can remember, I'm going to come down off the platform because I've got to do this. Some of you possibly have heard this testimony before. Some of you haven't. And so I, I remember going through every single step. Why not? It's always Paul. Step one, I remembered, was he laid hands on them. So that's exactly what I would do. I would lay hand, I'd lay hands on them. And then step two was this. He had a prayer that he would pray. And he would say, Lord, we don't know anything about this individual, but the secret things are for the Lord to reveal. So, Lord, we ask that you would reveal those secret things that you want to be articulated and said and spoken over their lives right now in Jesus' name. That was step two. Step three was this. He began to pray in tongues and rock their heads. And by the way, I didn't know where the anointing would show up, so I wasn't going to leave anything undone. So every single person there got a neck massage on that day. We became very Pentecostal. And then step, step number four was this. He would always do this. He'd go, mm, mm. I remember the first time he prophesied to me and he did that. And I thought, oh, Lord, I, I, Lord, I, I ask you already to forgive me of all of those sins. You know, it's amazing how people always think the prophetic comes to reveal your sin. Do you know what? God doesn't need to speak about your sin. You already know what you got going on in your life. He comes to get you out of that, not reinforce it in your life. Amen? So step four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Step four. He would, mm-hmm. And then step five, you would say, for the Lord would say. And he started prophesying. And this is what I did for almost two hours. I stood there one by one. And I went through every single step of the pattern that I had seen done. And I prophesied to everybody that was there for almost two hours. And I'm telling you, I went back to the office. (laughs) And prophet will prophesy. Come on. You know, styling and profiling, thinking I had done something great. I had just conquered the world. But you got to realize at that moment in time, you know, I was, I was 26, 20, 26 years old, you know, and that was a big deal for me, you know, to stand there and prophesy. For all, but this is what I want to get at in all this. It's the only thing that I did was this. I followed a pattern. Everybody say, follow a pattern. Can I tell you, if you'll just follow things that people are doing who are successful and have something going on for them, I will tell you, there's not some type of magic formula that cannot be seen. Because whatever they're doing and the pattern that they're establishing before you, that they are setting in front of you, is the pattern that will work. And it will work every time. You've got to understand this. Everything in the kingdom of God is established and works upon biblical principle. And if you will work the biblical principle, then it will actually work within your life. Let me say it another way. The word will work for those who will work the word. I'll say it again. The word will work for those who will work the word. You see, it's not just knowledge of the word, but it's the working of that word within your life. In other words, you're not just a hearer of the word, but you're a doer of the word. I can't tell you how many times I've had people that would come in for counsel and they wanted to know how I got this issue and 
you know, this is going on. And you give them biblical counsel, but they don't actually apply it within their life. Because understand this, there is no magic wand that you can wave over somebody that's going to make every issue disappear. In charismatic, prophetic, Pentecostal circles, a lot of people have thought that the prayer tunnel, the fire tunnel is the answer to all of their problems. All I got to do is go to a specific service where there's an anointing that's flowing and they're going to lay hands upon me. They're going to get about eight or ten, you know, anointed ministers and we're going to go through and we're going to jerk and we're going to jive and we're going to come out on the other side and all, the, all of our problems have disappeared. And my friend, I wish I could tell you that that is the solution, but it is not. There's a place for that, and there's impartation that happens in that. But understand this, it is not going to alleviate the results of the own practice of your own stupidity. I'm not calling you stupid. I'm not calling anybody stupid in here. But I'm telling you, if you, if you operate in a foolish manner, if you operate in a stupid manner, then you're going to end up actually having a harvest of the stupid seeds that have been sown. And there's a lot of people, even in the church today, that have sown seeds of foolishness. They've sown seeds uh, of laziness. They've sown seeds uh, of, uh, of not being diligent within their lives in certain areas. And then they wonder, why do I have the harvest that I have? Now, again, I'm not condemning anybody. Please understand, that is not the purpose of this message. What I'm trying to do today is to encourage you in this. You have to begin to look at somebody that's got something right working in their life, and then say, I'm going to follow the pattern. If they got good kids, then go find out what did you do to get those good kids. Oh, you do that? I, we, we thought that was wrong to do, you know. Well, oh, oh y'all are in church all the time. Oh, okay, well, you know, we're just a little bit too busy for that. You see, the reality is this. If you want to have good fruit, then you've got to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence. Everybody say diligence. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, that you do not become lazy. You, you maintain your diligence. You keep working. And then he says this, but imitate. Everybody shout imitate. The original King James Version actually uses the word follow. So to imitate or follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. See, what Paul is actually saying here, or the writer of Hebrews is saying, they're saying this, you need to follow the pattern. There are people that have things that have... They've inherited the promises. You follow them. You imitate them. It's very interesting. That word imitate is actually a Hebrew word, mimetes. I'll try to say it right. Mimetes. That is the, excuse me, the Greek word, mimetes. And it is from the root word, mimos, which is where we derive our word mimic. So what we're actually being exhorted to do is mimic those who have evidenced in their lives the fulfillment of the promises of God. Those who have God's promises at work within their lives, you see them in manifestation. What he says is you mimic them. You do what they do. You follow the pattern that they have established. You follow the biblical pattern. Now, I'm not telling you, listen, if they're not doing something, if they're doing something wrong or unbiblical, then that's one thing. Uh, obviously, they probably would not have good results and good success if they uh, were doing something improper or sinful. 
Now, let me just pause here for just a moment. I'll make sure that everybody understands my definition of biblical success. Biblical success does not necessarily mean you have more money than everybody else on your block. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That's not necessarily biblical success. How large your house is is not necessarily biblical success. What kind of car you drive is not necessarily biblical success. Now, the balance to that is God wants to bless you. He wants to make you the head and not the tail, and above and not beneath. Amen? Do you believe that? But understand this. We don't measure success solely by how, more, how much money you have. The Bible says that a man's life, that's what Jesus said, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. Now, you've heard me say this before. You know what? I could live in a cardboard box on the side of the street, and I would still consider myself a blessed man because all of my family is serving the Lord today. I am a blessed man. Can I tell you the biggest priority that any of us should have is the Lord in our families. I have a vibrant relationship with the Lord. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If I died right this moment, praise God, I know where I would end up. I know where I would be. My friend, I have a successful life. My family is together. Today I'm celebrating 61 years of marriage with my mom and my dad. I have a blessed life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Many times the metrics that we're using to measure success have been improper. Because I will tell you, there's some people that have a lot of money that I wouldn't trade places for them for all the gold in Fort Knox. And I don't have time to elaborate on that, but understand this. The abundance of wealth doesn't necessarily mean that you're living in blessing. And there's a lot of people today that they've got money, but they got more problems than Carter's got pills, as they used to say. I mean, they got more problems, they got more issues, and their family is all jacked up. Their marriages, you know, they're on their 10th wife or 10th husband, and they call, that's not success, my friend. I said, that is not success. Biblical success is something totally different than that. And we got to understand, I'm not going to follow people who may have a lot of money, but they don't have these other things in order because that's the real priority right there. That's not to say I'm not trying to speak poorly of them. I'm just saying we have to understand what is the metric that we're going to use to define biblical success. Biblical success means this, that, think God, that God's moving in your family, God's moving in your home, that things are in order within your family and your home, that you have what you need, that there's healing in your body. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you realize that all the money in the world won't profit you anything if you don't have the actually health in your body to actually enjoy it with? Right? Are y'all getting anything out of this? But you see, what he says is to follow and imitate those who are blessed and successful. There's not a new secret to spiritual blessing. There's no new secret to spiritual success. God laid out a plan for man in his word. And when man follows it, he will succeed and be prosperous. How many of y'all love me this morning? I want to make sure before I say what I'm about to say. How many of you love me this morning? I know God has a plan for man. You know what? And you can go all the way back to the garden. And God's plan for man was God created a woman. God's plan is one man and one woman. And they are the basis for the family and the home that God has established in the earth. Anything other than that is a perversion. You know what? And preachers need to say that. We don't have to be afraid to say that. And by the way, the Bible also says this. This is what Jesus said. Don't you know that he created them male and female? Everybody say male and female. Now, I understand there's people that are not sure what they are, you know, may believe that there's something else. But listen, just because I wake up one day and believe I'm an airplane doesn't mean I can get on the top of a building, do my arms like that, and soar and fly. Right? 
Just because I believe I'm a bird doesn't make me a bird. Just because you believe you're an army tank doesn't make you an army tank. Are y'all following what I'm saying? And we have a culture that is all messed up because people are, well, we want people to be able to believe whatever they want to believe. No, there's one way. There is one plan that God has for man, and it is found in his word. And if we'll follow his word, we will see blessing, we will see success, we will see promotion, and we will see the glory of God manifested within our lives. That's God's plan. I'm not saying that to condemn anybody. Praise God. I don't care what you believe about yourself and what you might, be, you, what you might actually be versus what you might believe that you are. Understand this. You can still come to church here, and we're going to believe God with you, and we're going to stand with you, and we're going to see that your mind is renewed. Praise God. And we believe that there will be deliverance in your life. Amen. We're going to still love you. I'm not condemning you. I, I'm going to still love you just because Jesus loved everybody, and we ought to do the same. I'm going to love people that don't think exactly like the way that I think. Yes, I know I'm right, but glory to God, I'm going to still love them. Are y'all following what I'm saying? And so we have a world that's messed up. We have a culture that's messed up. And, and, and listen, please understand how I'm saying this. Ultimately, that road is going to crash. Ultimately, it will crash. Why? Because anything outside of what God has established, the pattern that God has established, God established a pattern in the very beginning of creation. And he created, said, it's not good. You're a man. I created you a man. All right? You are a man. Adam, you are a man. You are a male. I created you that way. However, male man, <laughs> it is not good for you to be alone. So what I'm going to do in my infinite wisdom, in my knowledge, in my understanding, is I'm going to create a woman for you. Right? Isn't that what God did? Put Adam to sleep, took one of his ribs. Different people argue over what that actually means. It doesn't really matter. Obviously, he took something from Adam, and he made a woman. Why? Because it's not good for you, Adam, to be alone. You need a woman. God was looking down through the ages, and he was saying, Jeff, it's not good for you to be alone. You need Holly. Right? Don't shout too loud about that. Praise the Lord. Okay. Doc, it's not good for you to be alone. You need this beautiful woman, Linda, who plays the organ. So magnificent, right? David, it's not good for you to be alone. See, God's looking. He's not just talking to Adam at that moment in time. He's talking to you. Gil, you really can't make it by yourself. You need you a woman. I'm making a Ruthie for you, praise God. Robert, you're pathetic by yourself. You need a woman. You don't even know how to pick up your underwear right. You need a woman for your life, and I'm making a Stacy for you, praise God. How many of you are glad for the woman? Men, are you glad for the woman that God, in God's infinite wisdom, he did it right? Jason, you can't do it by yourself. You need an Amanda, right? All we need, we, oh, anyway, that's God's pattern that he created. Put Adam and Eve together, say, now y'all be fruitful and multiply. That's God's pattern. Two men can't, can't be fruitful and multiply. Okay. Two women can't be fruitful and multiply. Praise the Lord. My grandson is clapping for me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> two men, two women, you know, and a man who thinks he's a dog, he can't murder. Are you following what I'm saying? We have to understand that God created, the, God created a pattern. 
I'm, again, I want to make sure everybody understands I love people regardless of what they look like, regardless of who they think they are, regardless if they have to quack every morning because they think that they're a duck. But the reality is this. We have to understand that God created a pattern and God did it right in the beginning. And if we'll follow the pattern, we'll see blessing. If we follow the pattern, we'll see success. And you know what? We as the church don't need to be afraid to say that. You know why? Because this is not, listen, I want to make sure everybody understands. This is not a political issue. This is a biblical principle. Are you following? This is, this is at, the, at the very core of the way that God did things in the beginning. So we follow and imitate those who are blessed. Kingdom principles will always work if you work the principle. Y'all do this. Y'all do that. I just needed the reassurance that you still love me. Praise the Lord. Many people fail to see good fruit because they fail to do what is necessary for good fruit. The first thing that Paul says in this passage is don't be lazy. He exhorted them to be diligent in the work, to get involved. Listen, you can't get involved in a local church if you're not here. You know what? In a local church, you don't come to just succeed. You also come to contribute. You come to do something. You come to be a blessing to somebody else. You come in order to minister to others. Amen? Jesus said that everything in the kingdom of God is the entire kingdom could be understood in, with one parable that he gave, and that's the principle or the parable of the seed. Everything functions in seed form. Understand that you grow in grace, you don't leap there. But you have to allow yourself to be planted. That's the reason it says over in Psalm, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. When you get planted, you'll begin to flourish. When you get planted, and there's a lot of different things that we could talk about as far as what it means to be planted. Because planted is more than just being there. It's actually getting involved. It's doing something. It's contributing. It's giving. All of these different things. It's getting connected with other believers, those of like precious faith. So everything in the kingdom of God functions like a seed. So understand this. Until you're willing to plant yourself, you won't see kingdom fruit actually come forth within your life. Because I will tell you this. You can't really be planted in the kingdom if you're not planted in a local church body. That's the bottom line. And by the way, you have to be willing to get over your offense. I'm hitting a lot of things this morning. Because I will tell you this, there are th if you're easily offended, that is the tool that the enemy will use in order to get you out of a place that God has called you to be in in order to prohibit you from actually bearing fruit. That's the enemy's desire. He wants you to keep you, run, you know, you're just always on the merry-go-round, going round and round. She'll be coming around the mountain one more time. She'll be coming around the mountain one more time. And by the way, you go to another place, you'll be there six months, and somebody else will make you mad. You go to another place, and then within six months, somebody else will make you mad. Right? Isn't it funny, though? People will work on a job, and they'll have 10 employees make them mad, and they'll keep on coming there every day. The local church, one person doesn't say hello to them, and all of a sudden, they're ready to go. My friend, we got to examine our commitments. we got to get some roots in our lives. we got to be willing to allow ourselves to be planted and plugged in. And I'm committed to you. And I'm not just committed to you whenever it's convenient. I'm committed to you even when it hurts a little bit. Even when it doesn't feel good, I'm going to still be committed to you. This isn't about me. This is about us. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about the church. This is about what God desires to do. Amen? I'm going to very quickly, y'all stay with me just for two more minutes. How many give you two minutes? Two. All right. Follow those. Everybody say, follow those who through faith and patience 
Say, follow the pattern. Let me tell you three quick things. All I think I'm going to do is just be able to mention them. Three specific things that I've seen of people that are successful spiritually. Number one is they have correct priorities. They have correct priorities. What is correct priorities? Let me just go ahead and tell you this. Your job is not number one. Your first priority must be your relationship with God. Your second priority must be your relationship with your family, specifically your spouse and your children. Your third priority should be your relationship within the local church. Your fourth priority becomes your job and career, school and studies. And your fifth priority becomes personal pleasure. I'll just be honest with you, most people have that totally reversed. Even people within the church. I go to church if it's convenient for me to go to church. When it doesn't interfere with my pleasure, it doesn't interfere with my plans, and they put personal pleasure above even their relationship with God, or many times relationship with their family. Some of them will even put it before their job and career. I will tell you that the majority of folks in the United States, and probably even throughout the world, their number one priority is usually their job and their career. They're chasing after money. And that's the most important thing to them. And I understand you can't live without money. I understand job is important. I understand career is important. I understand your school is important, your studies. And by the way, we as a church, we ought to do better than everybody else. Amen? I said we ought to do better than that. He'll make you the head and not the tail. I declare that over our kids. They'll be the head and not the tail in school. They'll be at the head of the class. Amen? But I will tell you, they're not going to be that way if we don't prioritize things correctly. You know, I tell you, I was, uh, and I'm getting, I'm not beating myself on the chest, but I did very well in school. But I can I tell you this? We didn't miss church. We were always in the house of the Lord. There's something about being God's present that will actually make you bright. I'm just telling you, it will. It'll make you bright. I don't have time to go to the different scriptures, but it will actually cause your intelligence level to go up. Listen, people who think that they're a dog whenever they're a man... Just saying. How many of you know if you're a man, you're a man? That's called a very intelligent person. Right? Oh, we don't want to say that. Okay, y'all still love me though, right? See, this is God's pattern for success. If you attempt any other way, it's going to fail. Haggai 1-2 says this, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, this, this people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You read on down, he talks about how that you're taking and you're putting your money in holes that have bag, uh, bags that have holes uh, in it. What he is saying is here, your priorities are misplaced. You prioritize your own house without prioritizing the house of the Lord. You haven't prioritized the things of God. You prioritize your own ways. That whole scripture is just all about priorities, how people have their priorities out of order. And God says, you need to consider your ways. The next principle is this, faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. You know, you got to be faithful. Follow those who through faith. Follow, through, follow those who through faith. Now, that word faith actually could be translated faithfulness. See, because whenever you are full of faith, then you are faithful you cannot be faithful without being full of faith so those who are going to inherit promises by faith being full of faith means that they're going to be faithful amen 
Faithful means that you are there. Faithful means that you can be counted on. Being unfaithful means that you're not full of faith. And I will tell you this, the more you load up on the Word of God, the more you hear the Word, the greater your faithfulness level will actually begin to ascend. The Bible actually says this, that a good man actually swears to his own hurt. That means this, that a man will do whatever he says that he's going to do. See, faithfulness involves doing what you say and then following through with what you say. That's the reason Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Unfortunately, in our culture today, it seems like so often people renege on their promises. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. They say they're going to do something, and then they don't ever follow through. They don't ever do it. Even if something happens, maybe I have to change something. They still, they just, they, 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 they don't do what they say that they're going to do. And my friend, let it not be said of those of High Praise Worship Center that we function or operate in that manner. Let it be said about those in part of this church body that we are men and women of our word. We let our yes be yes and our no be no. And whenever we say something, we're going to follow through with what we say. Amen? There's a lot of people that just play the system today in order to get what they want, in order to get and to accumulate, start a business, make all the money, knowing that later on they're going to bail out and leave everybody else hanging. And then they'll go down, you know, start another corporation and keep doing the same thing. And it basically just play in the system. My friend, that's not a way that a Christian ought to operate their business, and it's not a way that a Christian ought to operate their lives. And listen, whether or not you love me or not about that statement, that is just the truth. We ought to do what we say that we're going to do. And we ought to follow through with what we say that we're going to do. Y'all love me? Look at somebody say, you got to be faithful. See, seeds of faithfulness sown will produce the harvest of fulfilled promise. God's faithfulness actually manifested within their lives. You know, I'll just say this about this. And again, I'm not bragging on my wife or I. We have never, ever defaulted on any loan we've never defaulted on anything that we made a promissory note on we've always paid it off praise God uh, but the Bible says that a, a good name is more to be desired than even gold and wealth and riches having a good name you do now if you had to I understand that you know a lot of things happened and particularly back in 2008 2009 real estate deals and things like that that happened and there are people that had to you know basically uh, I think what they call is a is a uh, strategic default on loans and things like that just because things just you know got out of hand it was a misfortunate type situation you understand in some situation but listen if that's your pattern then you need to consider your ways amen the last thing is consistency everybody say consistency it means i'm consistent you can count on me I'm always there. People that I have seen that have been successful, that, those are attributes. And again, I want to make sure that everybody understands success is not necessarily how much money you've attained. Because I have seen some people that are very wealthy but are not successful. Are you following what I'm saying? They got a lot of money, but they're not really successful. So consistency, develop consistent godly patterns and godly habits within your life. Again, says that through faith and patience, the word patience there is better translated endurance, persistence, and consistency. Through faith and endurance, through faith and persistence, through faith and consistency, they're people of their word. They keep doing what they said they're going to do. And by the way, whatever they believe God to do, they, can't, they stay with it. They don't give up. 
Patience doesn't necessarily mean that you're just waiting for something without becoming antsy. It means that I'm consistent with my actions while I anticipate the fulfillment of the promise. In other words, just because there's a delay in something happening within my life doesn't mean that I get mad and become inconsistent in one of my patterns of life. Come back, become inconsistent with what I'm doing on an everyday uh, level. In other words, I'm still going to operate as a Christian regardless of how other people act. Regardless of what the world does, I'm going to still adhere to the principles of the Word of God and the principles of faith that I know. Regardless of what somebody else may do, I'm still going to love my brother, praise God. Regardless of what somebody else may say, and regardless of the direction of the world, I'm going to do what's right even whenever I'm surrounded by wrong. So many people today listen to the voice of justification. And they feel like they're justified in doing something wrong. And by the way, the moment that you begin to heed voices of justification, by the way, that's the voice I write about in the upcoming book, the voice of justification will give you a legitimate reason why you ought to do something wrong. And my friend, just because that voice may say it doesn't mean that it's right. And by the way, just because you have a right to do something doesn't necessarily mean that it's right either. We have to understand, we have to redefine within our minds and our hearts and our spirit what is right and wrong. And we have to become consistent in what we believe, consistent in what we practice. And regardless of what people are doing around me, I'm not going to change my values. I'm not going to change what I believe. If the whole world is screaming out and they're saying something different, I'm still going to stay with what I know to be true. Amen? In the church today, we want to add water and stir Christianity. And by, my friend, it just doesn't work that way. Come on, we want to come and give in one offering and then praise God, breakthrough tomorrow. And the reality is that's not the way that the principles of giving operate. They operate by this. You sow a seed, and you sow a seed, and you keep sowing seed, and you keep sowing seed. And even when it looks like nothing's working, you keep on sowing seed. You keep on doing what's right, even whenever you're not getting the response that you want. You keep on loving people, even whenever they're spitting in your face. You keep on sowing. You keep on sowing the right seed. By the way, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about every single area of your life and the way that you behave and the way that you act and the way I treat people. I'm going to keep on sowing good seed keep sowing good seed keep sowing good seed you know what that means later on there's a harvest that's coming I might not see it in a day I might not see it in a year I might not even see it in 10 years but I assure you my friend God is not mocked and whatever a man sows that is what he's going to end up reaping amen you have to keep on doing what's right even when you're surrounded by everything that's wrong boy the, the church needs to grab hold of that right now if there's ever been a season and a time, we got to grab hold of the understanding. We have to keep doing what is biblical, and we got to keep doing what is right. Amen? We focus many times so much on our rights rather than what is right. And my friend, understand this. Doing what is right is much more important than your right. I hope you all understand the heart and the spirit that I'm saying this in this morning. I believe that God is wanting us to practice these principles. Would you stand to your feet today? How many of you say, Pastor, I'm going to follow the pattern. I'm going, to follow, I'm going to follow these biblical patterns because I want to see God's blessing come forth within my life. I know I preach strong today. Praise God. I think part of it is just Pastor Joshua's been ministering more on Wednesday nights, and I've had a little break. I feel a little bit stronger whenever I get up here on Sundays. And by the way, if you're not getting here on Wednesday night, I encourage you to get here. This past Wednesday, Pastor Joshua, oh, man, he lit the house of fire. Powerful, powerful word this past Wednesday night. Powerful word. 
and want words and these things that you need to grab hold of, would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? I want you to pray this with me. Pray this with me. Father God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word brings freedom. Your word brings deliverance. And I thank you, Lord, that today I embrace your word. I declare in the name of Jesus, I will follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. I will follow those who've done it right. I will follow those who have evidence of your blessing within their lives. I declare in the name of Jesus that as I do, I will see your blessing. I will see it come forth within my life, not a pseudo blessing, not pseudo prosperity, but a true spiritual blessing that you have established to be brought forth in, in my life. In Jesus' name, I give you glory and I give you praise. Can you give the Lord a praise this morning? Hallelujah. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.